1: by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
2: Adventurers, this, uh, this is your host Tom or Robots. I'm on the laptop right now. I don't have any power. We just got hit by Hurricane Ian, which has been uh, super fun. Everybody's safe. Everybody's okay. I was on part of the outside of the storm, but it was enough winds, I think gusts of up to like 100 miles an hour, that uh, knocked out some power. And uh, from what I've heard, it blew up a transformer in my neighborhood, and I won't actually have power until maybe Sunday. Uh, we were going to do the Patron chat episode and we're going to talk about why we're so obsessed with Elder Scrolls, but that's not going to happen Because I don't have any power So fortunately we were able to get my generator up and running Uh, It's taken a few days to get everything that we needed in order to do that should have prepared a little bit better But for a temporary amount of time, I'm able to run my laptop I'm able to have a little bit of internet and get this episode up for you guys I didn't want to leave you hanging so I'm re- Resharing, I guess, an episode that is now only on the Patreon that was about the Merithic era, the very first era, the era of, like, mystery and the time before the first age, all of that stuff. And I thought you guys would find this interesting. At least I have something to listen to. We will be back next week with the Patreon episode. Sorry about the poor audio quality, but it'll get a little bit better when the episode actually kicks off. So enjoy it. Um... <laughs> Stay safe out there. Make sure that you take care of each other, and I will see you next time. This show is brought to you by our patrons at Patreon.com/slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast.
0: Robots Radio presents the Elder Scrolls Lorecast.
2: Welcome to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast a place where the Elder Scrolls community can come together to discuss the boundaries of our knowledge about the universe of the Elder Scrolls. The history of the Elder Scrolls is not what you would call transparent or easy to understand. We've gone over this a little bit, and now that we've gone through all of the Daedra and a number of spooky things over the last month, and some other lighter, more fun topics, I want to dig back into the early events in the history of the world. And I mentioned that the history is not particularly transparent because when we're studying these things, we need to go into them with a specific kind of mindset. First of all, the events of the early history of the world are shrouded in mystery. We only know about them from other books and other characters in the games. And the games all exist in the second, third, and fourth eras of the world. So we're getting information secondhand. There is not a game where we can play the events of the Merithic era. That doesn't happen. So if we're going to reconstruct those events, we have to look at the books in the game and the things that the characters in the games say. So that's just one layer. But there's another layer here. The books in the games and the things that the characters say are specific to those characters, the authors and the speakers in those situations based on their particular knowledge, their perspectives, their cultures, the events that they are aware of, there is no all-knowing narrative source for the events of the Elder Scrolls. There are only individual perspectives, individual lenses with which we can look back into the history to try to piece together what's going on. And I mentioned this in the very early episodes of this show. It's one of the things about this world that makes it so interesting in our own world. We are limited the same way. The idea that we could have any omniscient objective view of anything is ignorant. We can't. Your viewpoint of anything is based on your perspective. Your perspective is based on your life events, your own sensory information coming into your eyes and your ears, the accuracy of your memory, the things that you fear, the things that you hope. All of these things color your perspective on any situation. We are by no means a camera watching the world and accurately recording things as they happen. It has been proven that human recollection is one of the least accurate things. It's one of the highest things we can hold up in a court of law. But when it comes to the actual events of things, human memory is extremely flawed. Extremely. Most of the time, if you have a camera on an event and a few years later you ask the individuals who are involved in that event specifics about that situation, they will almost all get it wrong. In some detail or another. So to say that we have a singular perspective on the events of the Merithic era is ignorant. And I preface this because I I want you guys to understand that when I pull this information together, I have to pull from something. I have to pull from some sources. I have to pull from the information that I can find online, the information I recall from the games. And I try to rely very heavily on... Things like the UESP, the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages, because they do a great job pulling this information together and putting it together in a way that we can actually talk about it. But one of the things that inevitably happens is that you have somebody saying, well, that detail isn't accurate because this person over here said this thing and they're not wrong. That person may have said that thing, but it doesn't mean that that thing matched narrative that was constructed in the information I was reading from so again there isn't just one singular point of view but you have to start somewhere so in order to detail the events of the Marithic era in this episode I am going to go through the timeline as it is listed in the UESP and I'm gonna stick to this as close as I can I'm gonna throw some extra little bits of information here and there we're just going to start with this because it will begin the conversation. And my plan from this point on with some of the upcoming episodes is to detail the events as we understand that they occurred or may have occurred, the individuals and the races and the locations where those events happened. Because after the Dawn era, the main actors are mortals. And they come from individual races, races that we're more familiar with. I'm going to go into the different races, the different time periods, the splitting of the different races and cultures, all of that kind of stuff. But to start with that, I want to give us a backdrop as to the earliest recollection that we have in history that starts to go less myth and more history. So let's get started.
1: This is where you get off. Come with me.
2: So the earliest event that we have from the Merithic era, the early Merithic era, is dated ME2500. And in the world of the Elder Scrolls, the Merithic era works a lot like BC or BCE. The dates start with larger numbers and they tick all the way down to zero. And you'll notice as we go through here that we don't have a lot of hard dates. We more generally have a rough idea of when things may have occurred. So the earliest event is the construction of the Dereni Tower. Now it says here the latest archaeological study of the Dereni Tower on the Isle of Balfiera in High Rock has dated its construction to around... M-E-2500, the earliest known date in Aldmiri and Nordic history. Aldmiri, the original elves, Nords, some of the earliest men, making it the oldest known structure in Tamriel. Now, the et hold their convention at this tower, setting the laws of Mundus and ending the Dawn Era. So this is, in effect, the moment where history changes from the events of the Dawn Era, the prehistory, to the events of actual history. Now, also happening in what would be considered the early Merithic Era, has to do with the Beast Folk. The Aboriginal Beast Peoples, the ancestors of the Khajiit, Argonian, and other Beast Folk, are said to have proliferated in communities throughout Tamrio. Each have their own accounts of this time period, and later scholars summarize that at this time the Khajiit have the predominant culture in southern Tamriel. So imagine this. You have a landmass, Tamriel, which for the most part is inhabited by beast people, not men and not elves. That comes later. So in the middle Merithic era, we have the arrival of the elves. And which elves were those? Well, at the time, they were the Aldmeri, A-L-D-M-E-R-I, who were the elves who traveled from the now-lost continent of Aldmeris, which was also known as Old Elnofe. They came to settle in Tamriel. The first colonies are distributed widely along the entire coast of Tamriel, and later inland settlements are founded primarily in fertile lowlands in southwest and central Tamriel. They are significantly more sophisticated than other cultures, displaying power beyond what could be expected at the time. The literate and technologically advanced Aldmeri cultures drive the relatively primitive beast folk into the jungles, marshes, mountains, and wasteland. The Adamantine Tower is rediscovered and captured by the Direni, a prominent and powerful Aldmeri clan. Now, many of these towers date back to the Dawn era because they seem to have existed before the time of the Merithic era. Also, the Crystal Tower is built in Somerset Isle. Somerset, which is no, now known for the home of the Altmer, not the Aldmer, right? It changes over time. Then, there is a search for old Aldmeris. Aldmeria explorers, notably Torval the pilot explores and charts Tamriel's sea lanes. From Somerset, Torval sails north around Tamriel, then up the river Nibbon, deep into central Cyrodiil. Now, if you remember the map of this, um, the river that moves up through the middle and circles the island in the middle of Cyrodiil with the white gold tower, that is the river Nibbon. And this is where he acquires the eight islands. The site of the White Gold Tower from the native talented birdmen. And this is one of the only references I, I believe I've seen for birdmen as gifts for giving them the secret of literacy. Now, where these birdmen went, or what happened to them, or if they were even actually bird people at all, who knows? Also, Aldmeri explorers mapped the coasts of Vardenfell, building the first era high elven wizard towers at Ald. Redania, Fell, Tel Arun, and Tel Mora in Morrowind. So after this, we have the rise of the Aelids. Now the Aelids are Aelids. Aelids. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that. I mentioned them in the previous episode. If you played the uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion, then you came across lots of Aelid ruins. You see them also in ESO. They were a group of elves who had a very different philosophy from the other Aldmiri. And it says here that the feathered men of central Cyrodiil, the bird men disappear from history only to be replaced by the aliens who are quite fond of adorning themselves in feathers. Again, another puzzle. Were there bird men here? When Torval, the pilot discovered the area Were they feathered elves, who came from some other clan from Eldmiri? We don't know. These wild elves, also known as the Heartland High Elves, preserve the dawn era magics and language of the Elnofe, ostensibly a tribute land to the High King of Alinor, Cyrodiil is very isolated from the Altmiri leadership. So... This is the first instance in this timeline where we hear about the Altmiri, the group of elves who have settled in Somerset, who descended from the Aldmiri, who are now calling themselves the High Elves. There's some sort of fraction that happens here between the different groups of Aldmiri elves who are now settling Tamriel. Now, it is only after this that the White Gold Tower is built in Cyrodiil. So again, another tower another construction, and most likely by the Aelids, who, like it says here, were powerful in Dawn-era magics. So let's recap. So far we have Eldmiris is left, or destroyed, or maybe never ever existed at all. We don't really know. But the elves who came from Eldmiris who call themselves the Aldmer, settle Tamriel. They find a bunch of beast races who are more primitive than them because they are more advanced in magics and they have more technology, those kinds of things. And they very easily settle the coastlines, the major areas of Tamriel, and mostly in the southwestern regions. There is a group of them that break away and settle the more inland areas of the continent. They call themselves the Aeliads. The ones who remain in Somerset and the southwest regions call themselves the Altmer. The
1: skies are marked with numberless sparks, each a fire, and every one a sign.
2: Hey there, adventurers. The story goes on in a second. We're going to go into the late Merithic and the other miscellaneous events during this era. But... Before then, I just wanted to jump in and say thank you for listening. Uh, I mentioned on the previous episode that we're going to do call-outs for patrons and uh, other review call-outs and those kinds of things in the episode at the end of the month coming up very soon, where we highlight our Tier 4 and higher patron uh, guests as a chance to talk on the show itself. So if you'd be interested in doing that, you still have time to upgrade your subscription on Patreon, and I appreciate all the support I get from you guys. Also, in other news, I've been streaming more on Twitch as usual, and things are about to change with my schedule coming up over the next few weeks. So be, I guess, stay tuned. Be something. I don't know. I don't know the words here. Stay tuned. More stuff. We're going to do lots of more fun, cool stuff. I might actually be able to stream during the days on occasion sometime in the next few weeks, starting probably the middle of December and we're going to do a whole bunch of other fun things for the robots radio community. So uh, you guys know how to get a hold of me, check the end of the show or the show notes for links to Twitch, to Twitter and to the emails. And we'll have a quick little ad break and then I'll be back with the second half of the episode and more details on the Merithic era.
1: Come to me with questions. I know our history almost as well as Vignar by now, except I can
2: remember it. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love Marvel Comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen anniversary diamond orb, gear, a bunch of other items. It is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out. Click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, MAXPOOL. Don't miss out on all the free stuff. And thanks again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Yes, yes, you're entirely brilliant. Conquering madness and all that. Blah, 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 blah.
2: So the first event of the late Merithic era is noted about the Dwemer. The Dwemer, a free-thinking, reclusive elven clan devoted to the secrets of science, engineering, and alchemy, establish underground cities and communities in the mountain range, separating modern Skyrim and modern-day Morrowind, known as the Velothi Mountains. Now, this is the first mention of the Dwemer. So now we have the Aliids, the Altmer, and the Dwemer. And what's interesting is the Altmer is the only group that we know of from the recent games, from the games from the Second Era and and later. That has been noted so far. After this, we have the transformation of Trinimac. And this is according to Altmeri tradition. Because there are a few different descriptions, and we've noted this in our episode about Trinimac and Boethia and, and those things. Uh, but there was a great battle that occurred between Trinimac and Boethia as a result of the Velothi dissident movement. Trinimac is consumed and returns later as Malakath. His followers become the orcs, and the orcs can be considered the fourth-mentioned elven group. And we know that a lot of people don't consider them elves, but according to this tradition... They were turned from the followers of Trinimac into the followers of Malakath and were thus transformed into orcs. And it's not the first time that a race of elves in this world goes through some sort of significant transformation. It goes on and says the followers of Veloth and Boethia become the Chimer. So this same event may have split some of the elves into orcs and Chimer who migrate to their promised land in Resdane? Some traditions trace these events back to the Dawn era. So there's ambiguity as to when this occurs, because it has to do with Daedric powers active in the world. But as we know from the more recent events in the games that we've played, Daedric powers are still active in the world. So there's no reason this couldn't have happened in the Merithic era. So we also know that the Chimer, later on, turn into the Dark Elves. So they go through a sort of double change, or at least a renaming and a change. Interesting stuff. Then it notes here the, about the uh, High Velothi culture, which thrives in Resdane. The Chimer become dynamic, ambitious, and long-lived elves, devoted to, To fundamentalist ancestor worship, despising the secular culture and profane practices of the Dwemer, the Chimer also covet their lands and resources and for centuries provoke them with minor raids and territorial disputes. We know that the Chimer and the Dwemer didn't get along, and that comes to a height later on with the Battle of Red Mountain. The next section is labeled the Late Merithic Era. And it begins with the fall of high Velothi culture. It disappears from Vardenfell. The earliest known Dwemer freehold colonies are constructed. The Velothi degenerate into tribal cultures, which in time evolve into the modern great houses of Morrowind or persist as the Ashlander tribes. The only surviving traces of this tribal culture are scattered Velothi towers and Ashlander nomads on Vardenfell Island. So not only is there a a kind of reduction in high culture for the Velothi clans, but also it's noted here that the original first era high elven wizard towers along the coast of Tamriel are abandoned around this time. And as usual, I dig into each of these a little bit as I go in order to make sure I understand the context of what is being said here. And I'm not sure why these are noted as first era high elven wizard towers because the first era hasn't occurred yet Were they noted as constructed and then abandoned and then repopulated at a later point i i don't quite understand what exactly that means because what it does is it references a book called before the ages of man and in before the ages of man it's actually very Much the language that they use in the wiki article, the original first era high elven wizard towers along the coast of Tamriel were also abandoned about this time. So that's it. It doesn't give any more background as to who created those towers, when they were created and, or how they were known to be first era towers. Why? I I just don't quite get that comment. This is part of why looking into the history of this stuff can be so odd. (laughs) Or confusing, because not everything always makes sense. So let's move on. By the Merithic era 1000, we have the first documented appearance of men, the culture of men, not elves, not beast races, men. It says here that archaeologists later trace their earliest known human settlements in High Rock, Hammerfell, and Cyrodiil to about this time. For centuries, raiders across the Sea of Ghosts, the sea north of Tamriel, invade and settle in Tamriel. And men are soon predominant along the northern coasts. Now, these are what we would call the Proto-Nords. And the Proto-Nords, in the final migrations from Atmora, settle in northern Tamriel. Now, we have a second continent here that's not Tamriel, that's not Aldmiris. It's called Atmora, and it's supposedly the land from which the men come. And there's a lot of different theories about each of these previous continents that peoples came from. Were they the same continent? Were they different continents? Was there one specifically for elves and one specifically for men? There's a lot of unknown here about what those continents are and where exactly they are. But we do know that there must have been some place that the proto-Nords were coming from because they were raiding the coasts. And then eventually, according to the stories from the Nords, they settled the coasts and there's documented a Nordic hero, Ysgrimor, who that name might be familiar. If you played through Skyrim is the leader of the great colonizing fleet to Tamriel develops a runic transcription of Nordic speech based on Elvish principles. And is the first human historian. And I, I believe we noted a little bit about Isgrimor on one of the other episodes we talked about. It goes on it says that Isgrimor's fleet lands at Heseric Heseric H-S-A-A-R-I-K head at the extreme northern tip of Skyrim's broken cape and builds Sarthal nearby, another name that you'll be familiar with if you played through Skyrim. The elves drive the men away during the Night of Tears, but Ysgrimor soon returns with his 500 companions and establishes human dominance in modern-day Skyrim. The next thing it notes here is about the wandering hero, an immortal hero, warrior, sorcerer, and king variously known as Pelennial Whitestrake, Harold, Harrybreaks, Ysmir, Hans the Fox, And other names, wanders Tamriel, gathering armies, conquering lands, ruling, then abandoning his kingdoms to wander again. And as with many of these topics, there's a lot of hearsay about who those individuals are and what they were actually doing (laughs) in the world. We'll go into that in a future episode. Next noted is the Doomstones of skyrim scholars later assume the doomstones of skyrim are placed throughout the land during this time now what are the doomstones well the doomstones are type of rune stones so pillars with ruins on them that you find throughout cyrodiil they're marked with red glowing runes and are often surrounded by crude stone circles each doomstone is attuned to a specific celestial object such as the major constellations like the birthsteins, as well as other astronomical bodies such as Moons, the Void, Aetherius, Magnus, and Akatosh. The Doomstones grant great power to doom-driven heroes of significant renown, but appear inert to common mortals. As such, their apparent magical nature was of great interest to the Mages' Guild. It is commonly believed by scholars that the Doomstones were sites of ancient sky-worshipping cults of beast folk, before the ages of men. But it notes here, again, another, another complication that the doomstones were placed throughout the land in the same era in which, in the same later Morithic era time when men appeared in Tamriel. So did it happen simultaneously? Was it the beast folk? Or did it have more to do with the men appearing in Tamriel at the time? We don't know. Also, this is the first mention of Sovengard. Now, it says here that the earliest known writings and stories emerge among the proto-Nords of a hidden, timeless place of eternal life known as Sovangard, a magnificent hall of valor built by shore to honor the departed who prove their mettle in battle. Now, we know that according to the Nords and the proto-Nords, that sure is analogous for Lorcan. Also, at some point in the late Merithic era are the Dragon Wars, or the Dragon War itself. At this time, the dragons under Alduin had claimed dominion over all of Mundus and presided over man in Atmora and then Tamriel. The Nords worship them as gods and build many temples dedicated to them. Dragon priests. Servants of their dragon overlords become increasingly tyrannical, eventually causing men to rebel. Thousands of men die until a few dragons join their fight when the tide turns in their favor. Alduin is banished and the dragon priests are overthrown. The remaining dragons are scattered, their population decimated. What's interesting about this is that the note of, say, dragon priests and those kinds of events is almost limited to northern Tamriel and then uh, Admora. It doesn't really bleed into the rest of Tamriel, although it notes here that the dragons claimed dominion over Mundus. That would mean, like, everything. If you guys are aware of instances in beast lore, which there isn't much of, or, more importantly, elven history... Of the dragons. Then let me know because I don't know that there's as much about the dragons from their perspectives uh, from this time period. And then by the Merithic era year one, the events in Valenwood culminate in the founding of the Cameron dynasty and year zero of the first era. So by this first year, you have a dynasty an empire. And these events are noted to have happened in Valenwood. And there's also record here of the Bosmer. So we know at least that the Bosmer were another specifically distinct elven group by that time, the wild elves, What also isn't specifically noted in this timeline is the history of the snow elves. we know that the snow elves existed and that they existed in the Skyrim area. In fact, in Skyrim, we actually get to meet one, but we find remnants of their history and we find a connection to the Falmer and that connection to the Dwemer. Now, the Snow Elves definitely existed in the Merithic era. They just don't fall into this timeline. Uh, And that might just be a limitation of the wiki writers, but they were there with the proto-Nords and they were in regular conflict with them so that was part of that late merithic history now it would also be ignorant to think that the timeline here would be all-encompassing that we would have every event listed that we know anything about at all because each of these events like i noted here you've got the bosmer showing up but they're not really specifically noted you have snow elves showing up, but they're not really specifically noted. Each one of these events could turn into its own episode and we could explore more and more of the details about each of these, these things. So please take this episode as a preface to other topics that we will delve into in the future. Because like I said, there's so much going on here and there's no way to make sure that we cover everything all in one lesson that doesn't, even makes sense. The events of the first era are very different from the Merithic era. You have empires, you have invasions from other continents, you have all sorts of crazy things happening. <laughs> the second era again is very different. The world changes as it moves on. And I think that's one of the other things that a lot of people don't really note or, or just isn't as obvious when you play the more recent games this idea that everyone uses swords and magic and you've got elves and men and beast races running around and everything feels kind of the same through each different game. Although the events are different and the locations might, might vary, but for the most part, the setting feels very similar, but there is a very specific progression that happens. There is a movement from this prehistory to this early history that's shrouded in a lot of, mystery history shrouded in mystery um and then the more recent eras and even the decline of society there's all these other themes and events going on so don't whitewash it as overly simplistic at least in that regard i mean obviously it's complex but there's a whole lot more going on here and we're going to keep digging into it so stay tuned for future episodes I hope you guys enjoyed the episode today and until next time, if you have thoughts or ideas about other things that could have happened during the Merithic era and you want to discuss them, let me know. I've got places you can reach out to me. Just just wait for the end of the show. It's going to, we're going to go over it there or check the show notes. Um, And even more importantly, I would love to talk about these things with you on our discord. Our discord is exploding. We almost have, we're almost at 500 People on the Discord, there's lots of cool conversations going on. Or just jump in to Twitch with me some night while I'm playing some other games and let's let's just chat. Let's chat while we play games. That would be awesome. Alright, guys, have a good week. I'll talk to you next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda Softworks or ZeniMax Studios, and no copyright infringement is intended. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please reach out to us at elderscrollslorecast at gmail.com or on Twitter at ESOLorecast. If you'd like to help support the show, check out the rewards you can get at patreon.com slash elderscrollslorecast. I really appreciate you listening, and I'd love to hear from you soon.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place.